Hello and welcome to another Sunday podcast. It is November the 9th, 2023. I have to say that because I forget myself what year it is. The time is half past nine in the morning. The sun is shining. Look at that. Again, here we go. Talk about the British weather. Struth. Just now, lashing rain, gale force winds, almost, clouds, they're oh, dreadful. That was 20 minutes ago. Now, blue sky, sunshine, a little breeze from the west. Isn't it amazing? Nine degrees centigrade, 48 Fahrenheit, 92% humidity. I would have thought that should be 120%. And if you're into the barometer, 999 millibars. Thank you to Ray for your email, all about collecting things such as dinky cars, corgi cars, matchbox cars. Ray and I were chatting about that via email and I watched Flog It the other day. Who watches Flog It? You know, where they have the auctions of old things and some dinky cars sold on there for, I think it was £200, just half a dozen cars. Whereas another time, you'll have a similar sort of item and it doesn't even meet the reserve. Same on eBay, I have found. I've put an item on no watches, it doesn't sell, put it on again. And there's a, a bidding contest going on and I get really good money for it. It's luck of the draw, isn't it? It's just who is around at the time. Lots of you about uh, party lines. You remember I mentioned telephones and party lines. Uh, Bob, one from you. Who else have we got here? David, Ian, John. A lot of party lines seem to be around in the old days and also in America. I thought it was just something peculiar to the UK. But no, in America, you, you could have, in the old days, three people on party lines. It was bad enough with two, let alone three. You go to use the phone and there's people chatting on it. <laughs> anyway, that's all gone now. We don't want party lines. So how are you all keeping? I hope you're all well. I'm okay. We're nice and warm in the house here with the gas uh, central heating on, eating up pound coins like there's no tomorrow. We do like the coal fire now and then. But the price of coal is horrendous. Enough of all that. Let's move on. Oh, before I forget, hello to Nick and Anne. Don't live too far from me. I believe you listen to the podcast episodes. So hello, you two. And, oh, Nick, what was it you said? You could hear a car driving past. Was that on one of my videos or one of the podcast episodes? I don't know. Some of the cars do race up our road. It's a side road. It's a small road. 30 mile an hour limit. But some of them, you'd think they're doing 50. They go flying past. And the trouble is, I mean, we've talked about this before, haven't we? The trouble is someone could step out in the road. We've got children. Some people have got dogs in the road or cats. They could easily wander across the road. And if you're whizzing along at, well, way above 30 miles an hour, it could be tragic. I don't know why people do that. What is the hurry? Why is everyone in so much of a hurry? Now, this episode is all about getting up we're not getting old no it's not all about getting old i lied it's about being old <laughs> does that make sense who is it gordon hello gordon you emailed me and you said you're 18 years old which is good you've got your whole life ahead of you I hope things work out nicely for you marriage and children and all that stuff but gordon's point was in his email at my age he says <laughs> thanks gordon when you're old like you <laughs> Do you have the same thoughts as you did when you were 18? I see what you're getting at, Gordon. Quite a lengthy email, as a lot of them are these days. That's why it takes me time to answer people. Do you know that expression? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So basically, in your mind, 
you're, you're up for anything. I can do this, I can do that. But your body says, oh, no, I'm not doing that. Everything hurts and aches. A couple of years back, I wanted to relay some paving slabs, only a dozen or so in a square, small patio area down the garden. I bought a bag of sand, big bag of sand. I thought, right, this is going to be good summer's day. Got down onto my knees to lift the slabs. Oh, my knee hurt. <laughs> Lifted up one of the slabs. Oh, there goes my back. <laughs> now, in my mind, I knew what to do. I've done this a dozen times before. Easy peasy. But my body was saying, oh, no, I'm not doing that. No, 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 no. So, do you know, I've still got the bag of sand <laughs> and the paving uh, slabs are still uneven and wobble about. There's another little path I want to relay. It's only, what, 15 feet long. It's only perhaps a dozen uh, slabs. And they're all uneven all over the place. They just want lifting, put the sand down, level it out and put the, the slabs back. Job done. But to me, it's a major undertaking. And I'll be on my back for a week on the bed and I won't be able to walk because of my knee. <laughs> but the other thing Gordon was getting at, I know what you're saying, Gordon, in your email. I'm not going to read it out uh, word for word. But uh, yes, looking at uh, young ladies, are the thoughts the same when you're old? Oh, I've no idea I'm not old. <laughs> yes, they are. I can tell you they are. So we'll move on from that. Went to see a friend of mine yesterday, had a cup of coffee with him. He's 80-something, 80 82 or 3. His shed roof leaked and he said, uh, I've just put some felt on it the other day, put some new felt on the roof. And he said, did I have to pay for it? Aches and pains for two or three days, he was in pain. He said that he's glad that he did it, but on the other hand, was it worth all the aches and pains? This is what we have children for, isn't it? And grandchildren. You phone them and you say, oh, next time you're round, or if you're free now, can you pop round now, this minute, this instant, because I need this doing and I need that doing. That's what they're for. And if you don't have kids or grandkids, you use other people's. <laughs> you say to your neighbour, you know, your son, your strapping 18-year-old son, any chance of him having a look at my shed roof? That's what it's all about. Us oldies, we can't do everything anymore. We have to get the youngsters to do it. And I have found, family or not, the majority of youngsters are more than willing to help, which is excellent. When I was young, 12, 13 years old, I used to do the old boy's garden next door, only a bit of weeding just around the borders. He quite liked his garden, but he was too old to do it. I think he must have been 70s or something, I can't remember. But he loved his garden, and of course he got to the stage where he, he couldn't do the weeding. He had someone come and mow the lawn, that sort of thing. But I used to do a bit of weeding for him, and he'd give me half a crown, which was rather nice. Go over the shop, buy some bangers and rockets and fireworks. <laughs> no, not, not all year round. Go over the shops and buy some sweets and a tin of seven up or a bottle of tizer half a crown or two and sixpence as it was would buy quite a few sweets and all sorts of things back then what was that now half a crown can i work this out what's that in so-called new money it's hardly new anymore is it i don't know i can't work it out you'll have to work that out and let me know raise rants at protonmail.com yeah just talking of emails i do have a lot of emails now and it's, it's taking me more and more time to get through them all so apologies for that but I do answer all of them I think one or two might go astray emails move in mysterious ways well as do computers don't they they move in mysterious ways well mine does 
I think I first realised I was getting on in years a little bit when I was doing the shed roof. When was that about? No, the shed floor. I was putting a new shed up and I was laying the floor and I was down on my knees. That was about 15 years ago, so I wasn't that old. But my knees ached. I was on my knees all day doing this floor business, ready to take the rest of the shed. And my knees ached like mad. I tell you what, though, now this is good. I phoned my mum this morning. That's not the good bit. Well, it is. And she said, how are you? How's your knee? And I said, it's fine. It seems to have cured itself. Is that possible? It's arthritic and whatever else they call it, all sorts of things. And the doctor was saying, well, one day, not yet, but, you know, years to come, you'll have to have a new knee. I could barely walk. And it seems to have healed itself. And I told her that. And then she said, how is your back? Well, that's all right now. Perhaps I'm getting younger. Imagine when you get to a certain age, like 80, then you start to go back. So you're 75, 70, 60, 50, and you get younger and younger. Would that be good? No, I don't think I'd like that. Would you like that? <laughs> Imagine living. What's our age now? People live 90, 100, don't they? Imagine if it was 200. Can you imagine living for 200 years? Say the average age is something like, I don't know, 190 years old. Would that be good? I suppose people would be used to it, wouldn't they? So getting old, Gordon, yes, it's an interesting subject. There are many advantages to getting on in years. First of all, you've got experience, which youngsters don't have. They just don't have experience, whether it be driving a car when they get their licence at 17 years old or anything. They just don't have the experience. Whereas us older people, we've seen it, done it, been there. We've got the T-shirt, got the mug and all this stuff. So that's one advantage. You've got experience. You know things. Another advantage, I like this one. You retire. You don't have to go to work anymore. Every day you wake up and there's no work. I love that because I can pursue my hobby, amateur radio, my ham radio gear. I'm in my radio room now. And I'm surrounded by some vintage equipment. I've got this aircraft transmitter from the 1940s. I've got an old ship's receiver from the 1940s. And I've got some modern stuff as well, of course. I've got all day, every day to play radio. I watch other people, eight o'clock, half eight in the morning, getting into their cars in the winter, scraping the ice off their cars. They're cold out there and it's dark and gloomy and they've got to go to work. I'm in here playing radios. So that's another good advantage. Of course, not everyone can afford to retire. Some people just have to work on and on and on, which is such a shame because I think we all deserve, having worked for decades, we all deserve a break, a few years at least, where you are still young enough to enjoy things like if whatever you want to do, go fishing, country walks, lunch out in pubs and things like that rock climbing, cliff climbing and stuff. Well, perhaps not that. But it is a shame when someone can't retire until they are getting really on in years and then all they want to do is sit in an armchair and do nothing. That is a shame. Of course, some people can take early retirement, say, when they're 50. Well, that is early retirement, isn't it? 50. I worked, well, I'm self-employed. I worked until I was 70, yeah, up to two years ago. I was still working, repairing and restoring the vintage radios for people. I did that mainly because Trish was still working, because she's a lot younger than me, so she was still working. And then once she retired, well, I did as well, because then we could go and, 
We could go and do exciting things like spend the day at Amberley Museum looking at old radios, which she loves to do. Well, perhaps she doesn't love doing that. But we go out to Amberley Museum, have a walk round, have a coffee. We go to the wetlands in Arundel. We do all sorts of things. And it's nice not to have to think, oh no, it's work tomorrow. Got to be up early tomorrow. So there we are. That's another advantage of getting on in years. Of course, it all depends, whatever age you retire, it all depends on your health. Luckily, we are both pretty healthy. Apart from my knee, which has cured itself, and my back, which seems to have uh, healed itself. I don't know what's going on there. I think with some of these aches and pains, I think, uh, is it mind over matter they used to talk about? It's not mind over matter. I think it's a, a state of mind. Is that What do they call it these days? Mindset or something? It's the way you think. For example, if my knee was bad, I sit in an armchair, oh, doom and gloom, that's it. I'm finished. I'm old and crinkly and wobbly. I can't do anything anymore. Just sit in the armchair. Then that won't get you anywhere. You have to be positive. That's what I have found. OK, my knee hurts. Not going to let it affect me too much. Take some painkillers if it gets too bad. But I'm going to Amberley Museum regardless. I think it's that positive mental attitude, isn't it? The power of positive thinking. It does work, actually. Obviously not if you've got a terminal illness. I think there are limits. If you've got a, a terminal illness, that's, that's it uh, normally. Whereas something like my knee, well, it's not life-threatening, is it? It's just a pain up, the, um, up my knee. <laughs> Happy days. Having said that, a terminal illness... I don't know. Some people reckon that they can put that right. Faith the size of a grain of mustard seed can move a mountain. There we are. That's another subject altogether. How is your health? Are you keeping all right? Do you remember in lockdown, I used to say, if you're bored, if you're on your own, you're lonely, you don't know what to do, because not everyone, not every old person has got children, grandchildren, all that stuff. Some of them are alone. Their parents have gone. You might have a lady or a man. Their parents have gone. They didn't have kids. Their partner's gone. And they are literally on their own in the world. And quite a few of you in that situation did email me. And we got some emails going back and forth, which is good. One or two are still going, which is good. Tricia and I are very lucky. We've got a big family. So there's, there's children, there's grandchildren, there's all sorts going on. At our Saturday lunchtime cafe, as it's called, all the family come round. Well, not all the families. Not everyone can make it every week. But in the summer, it's terrific. We can have 15 people here, all family, 15 of them or more, all in the garden having lunch. And, of course, it goes on during the afternoon. Really nice. Our camellia bush in the front garden, I normally trim that, but it's getting rather high. So what do we do? Granddaughter and her hubby-to-be, they came round with a hedge trimmer and a pair of steps, a ladder thing, and they did it all for us. Fantastic. Mind you, I did their kitchen light. I replaced their kitchen light for them and two wall switches, two dimmer switches in their lounge and dining area that had gone wrong. I did that. So I'm still able to do things as long as it doesn't mean <laughs> laying paving slabs and climbing ladders. Now, here's the thing. If one of your children go and live in America... When you're in Britain, they go and live in America. Here's the thing. <laughs> they can't do anything. But having said that, my son in America, he logs onto my computer somehow. All this tech stuff, he gets into my computer and he can put things right. He takes over everything. 
and I just sit here and watch the screen and he's clicking this and doing that. So he is of a, immense help because I'm, I'm not bad on the computer, but there's so much stuff these days. It's so involved and he is just brilliant at that. So here's the thing, you see, even if they move abroad, they can still be of a great help. I did say to him the other day, can't you come and live back here? Because there, was, there are some physical things I need doing um, on computers and stuff like that. I said, come and live back here, then you can help me. And he said, well, why don't you come and live out here? And then I can help you. Good point. Yeah, good point. I'm too old. I can't move to America now. I mustn't keep saying I'm too old. Do you know, that reminds me. I was, I was thinking the other day, I must tell you this, I nearly forgot. My grandmother, Struth, I remember as a kid, she'd say to me, I'm 40, you know, I'm 40. Oh, I can't do this and that anymore. I'm 40. And I remember my mum saying to me, She's young. What's she on about? She's 40. That's hardly old. Some people, have you found this? Some people are old when they're young. I've found that over the years. I've known people, well, like my grandmother, 40 years old. Oh, I'm old. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do anything now. I'm old, you know. I'm 40. Stone the crows. That's not old, is it? We've been watching telly and Trish will say, do you know that chap there is the same age as you? And I've looked at him on the telly. I've, I've said, well, he must be in his 80s, surely. He looks a lot older than me. And she has said, and I like this. I like this. It's a compliment. She has said that a lot of people at my age look older than me. I like that. That's rather good. And again, I think it's, well, I mean, if you lose your hair, luckily I've got all my hair. I've got a good head of hair. I've got many teeth left, <laughs> but I've got my hair. If you do lose your hair, that can make you look older. A lot of youngsters... Uh, are bald aren't they they shave their hair off I think they prefer it but of course that doesn't make them look old but if you're my age and you lose your hair then you look older than you you are if, am, I, am I making sense yeah of course I am I always make sense don't I but some people I knew a chap when I first went out to work he was uh, bald he had um, what is it egghead we used to call our science master egghead bald except for that strip of hair from the side round the back and to the other side yeah, this chap was 23 years old and he was just like that. And I used to feel sorry for him because at 23 years old, I thought he was in his 50s. I really did. I thought he was in his 50s. And he was obviously aware of it because there's me, the young apprentice, when I first started. He said, how old do you think I am? I said, I don't know, 40, 50, I don't know. Oh, cheeky, so-and-so and all this. I'm 23. And I didn't know what to tell him. It wasn't my fault. It's not my fault that he looks 50 when he's 23, is it? It's his fault. <laughs> Actually, it's not his fault, is it? But some people are unfortunate. They just look a lot older than they are. That obviously can't be helped. But what can be helped is... Oh, I'll tell you about my grandfather in a minute. I will never forget that. Now I forget what I was going to say. Let me write down grandfather, look. There we are. I've also written Columbus. No, Columbo. That's something else I'll tell you about in a minute. What does annoy me is someone that is young and they act old. They're not old, they look young, they are young, but they act old. That is awful. I don't know what's the matter with some people. I knew a chap, this was, how old was I at the time? We were in our 20s. And I said to him, we'll go to this party. There was some party somewhere. We'll go to this party. And he said, well, how are we going to get there? I said, well, that's okay. You know, we can get a, a drive there or get a taxi or something. I said, well, we can drive, you know, leave the car there. And he said, well, that, that's all right, but how do we get back again? How do we get home? 
let's not worry about getting back. We're going to a party. It's going to be a brilliant party. This chap's parties were always brilliant. Oh, well, I don't know. I'm worried about how I'm going to get home. And I don't want to be stuck out there all night. And I thought then, you're, you're acting like an old man. You're in your 20s and you're acting like an old man. And I've known one or two people like that over the, the decades that I've been around. This is the experience again, isn't it? Said it, done it, been there, got the T-shirt. My grandfather, I don't know what it was. He must have been 60s. Uh, I can't remember how old I was and how old he was. I forget when he was born. I'd phone him, as I did on the odd occasion. I'd dial the number, because you did dial numbers on the old rotary dial back in the good old days. Proper Bakelite telephone. None of this modern rubbish. <laughs> I'd phone him. And he'd he'd answer the phone and he'd say, uh, uh, Shoreham 2439. Uh, and I used to think, oh, can't you speak properly? Is there something wrong with your brain? And I'd say, oh, oh hello, it's Ray. Oh, hello, old boy. Oh, how are you? Lovely to hear from I used to think he was sort of 160, not 60. He was still working. Perhaps he was, he must have been mid-60s. He was coming up to retirement. I did say to him when I was round there once, why do you answer the phone like that? You know, you sound like you're 100 and something years old. He said, oh, no, I don't. I said, you do, and I, I, I repeat it. I said, you, you, you're picking up. <laughs> I said, what's the matter with you? Because I was annoyed with him at that time about something else as well. I forget what that was. I have said to Trish, if ever you hear me answering the phone like that, like some old fool, then keep me away from the phone. Don't let me answer it because people will think I'm some sort of nut job. I have every sympathy, empathy with anyone that's getting old and you know, losing the plot a little bit, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, it's not fine for them. But I wouldn't uh, knock them or put them down for that. But, you know, when someone's in there, well, like his wife, oh, I'm in my 40s, oh, dear, I'm old. <laughs> I nearly said something then. I mustn't swear. I must put a note on the screen, on the computer screen here. Do not swear in podcast episodes. <laughs> no, I don't normally swear anyway, not normally. So there we are. That's all about getting old. Who started? You started this, Gordon. It's your fault. Young Gordon there, 18 years old with your whole life ahead of you. So, Gordon, what advice can I give you uh, as I'm in my 70s and you're in your teens? Loads of advice. It would take too long. Loads of advice. With uh, girlfriends, be true to them. Don't cheat on them because that won't get you anywhere. I love that... Uh, Pink Floyd, what is it? Mother. Have a listen to that track by Pink Floyd, Mother. What, what are the words? Uh, mother's going to check all your girlfriends for you. Mother won't let anyone dirty get through. You'll always be baby to me, isn't it? Mother. I like that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so don't let your mother influence you. This is another thing, isn't it? Mothers. Some mothers cling on to their sons. They don't want them to go off with girls and get married and all that stuff. They don't want them to leave home. That happened to a friend of mine. Again, we were in our 20s. He met this girl. He was going to get married. And his mother didn't like the girl at all. She was a lovely girl. But the mother didn't like her because she was jealous. Oh, you're taking my son away sort of attitude. It really did cause trouble. So the advice there, Gordon, is don't listen to your mother. No, I, should, <laughs> I shouldn't say that, should I? But just be true to yourself and be true to other people and you should be all right. 
I've written Columbo. I can cross off grandfather. I've written Columbo here. Trish and I have watched, now if you're abroad, you might not know the programmes, Midsummer Murders, Poirot, Vera, all these, uh, Last of the Summer Wine. We've got a list of 100 programmes that we've watched 100 times. We've been looking for something else to watch. Now, we've seen all these before, back in the 80s, the 1980s, and it's Columbo. I came across an episode uh, a week or so ago and I was watching it. Trish came into the room and she said, oh, Columbo, I used to like that. And I said, yes, I used to like it. Peter Falk, he was brilliant, wasn't he? Uh, just one more thing, <laughs> with his hand to, to his forehead, brilliant. So we watched that episode and we're now, we're, well, we're binge watching, well, not quite, but we watch an episode every night. There are hundreds, well, probably a lot. We watch Columbo every night now. And we've seen them all before, but as I said, it's in the 80s, years and years ago, decades ago, when I was a boy. No, I was a boy in the 60s, wasn't I? And they're really good. The unique thing about Columbo, as you know, you've probably seen it, you see who the killer is. You see the chap kill someone. And then you have to watch Columbo throughout the whole programme, work out how it was done and who did it. Who done it? The vicar did it to Miss Scarlet in the in the bedroom. No, I mustn't say that. That's Cluedo. I, I, did I tell you I said that in front of our grandson? He didn't know what I was talking about, of course. But Trisha told me off. Grandad, stop it. <laughs> the vicar did it to Miss Scarlet in the bedroom. No, stop it. Let's move on. Columbo is brilliant. It really is brilliant because all the others, you don't know who the murderer is. You don't know who done it. And then you do, you do, you find out at the end. I suppose with that way, you can work it out yourself. But I like the Columbo episodes where we know who done it and he doesn't know who done it. <laughs> How's that for a bit of grammar? What I also like about Columbo is the cars, the big old American cars back then. Oh, fantastic. Honestly, I'll keep saying to Trish, look at that car. Look at that car. That's a real car. That really is a proper car. And she says, can you shut up about cars? I'm trying to follow the plot to see what's going on. But they are lovely. Some of those big old American cars. Oh, I want one. Never mind, too old. No, I mustn't say too old. I'm never too old. Never too old. The only problem here is the price of the petrol, gasoline. Price of gas here. Honestly, it's a rip-off. I think it's dearer than beer. <laughs> That's saying something. Seriously, with those big old engines, the big V8s, the V12s, you need to fill up with petrol sort of every, at every garage you come across. They were talking about post offices the other day. That just reminded me. We used to have garages everywhere. All over the place there were garages. You, you pull in, get your petrol, your gas. Now there are hardly any. They're all at supermarkets. There are one or two garages, but they're mainly filling stations, aren't they? Petrol stations. They're mainly at um, supermarkets. We were watching telly the other day about post offices. How many post offices are there left in the UK? There aren't that many. They've all gone. Everything is disappearing. I don't know what's going on. We have one just round the corner here. That closed. Very small one. Just a little branch. That's gone. Then there was another one just down the road. That's gone. That was up, um, up the shops up near wherever it is. That one's gone. Our nearest one now is it's half a mile, so it's not too bad. But the chap has said in there that you know, he's not doing too well. He puts notices up in his shop. Can you buy stationary birthday cards or whatever? Um, I forget what the notice says exactly, but basically because he needs the money. 
He's not making enough just from the post office. He's got to sell things as well. And I must admit, I don't think I've ever bought anything in there. He's got stationery, envelopes, jiffy bags. I've never bought any of it. I, it's, it's my fault, really. I, I'm guilty because I don't buy my bits and pieces there. I go online. Isn't that awful? Anything I want, I buy it online. I should go to the local shop. I did. We had a local ironmonger. What's an ironmonger called in America and Australia? Do you call them ironmongers? That's an old-fashioned term, isn't it? Where you buy nuts and bolts and screws and brackets and <laughs> anything iron, ironery or whatever. Irony. <laughs> Happy days. I used to support him. He was just down the end of our road in the local shops there. And I always went there for bits and pieces. And he closed. He retired. He said to me several times, you know, I'm just not not taking the money, not getting enough custom in here. And he closed up and he sold the building. So he was right because he owned the freehold on the shop and the flat above. He sold the whole thing. And he went off with his pension as well and retired. So good luck to him. But that was my local ironmonger. Now I have to go up to the, the big, what do they call it? Retail park or some nonsense up the road where there's half a million people. And if you want to buy... I don't know, a couple of screws or nuts and bolts, you've got to buy a box of 5,000. <laughs> 5,000, listen to me, I do exaggerate. Mind you, it's not far off. You have to buy a box, you know, if you want a certain size screw. There's a packet of screws at a rip-off price. If you want a decent price, you've got to buy a box. I normally do. I'll buy a box of 100 or whatever it is, even if I only want a couple. Then I've got them in stock. I'm a great believer of having things in stock because I'm well into... Do it yourself. Whatever needs doing around the house, if it's something I can do, then I will do it rather than get people in and pay them. I suppose you could say that's being uh, disloyal to local self-employed chaps that are doing their little bit, you know, handymen and whatever, painters, decorators. That's taking work away from them. I mean, you can't help everyone all the time, can you? <laughs> we just couldn't afford it. We can't have decorators, plumbers, electricians, especially as I can do some of it myself. I might as well save some money. But all these little shops have gone. They disappeared. And people, as I've said before, many episodes I've mentioned this, they're always banging on about reviving the high street. How are they going to revive the high street? There's only one way. That is to put the shops back, the post office, the ironmonger, and all the rest of them that have gone, and... All the people in the town go there and buy things. They don't go to the retail park. They don't go online. They go to the high street downtown where all the little shops are. That's not going to happen, is it? Well, I can't see it's going to happen, can you? Raise rants at protonmail.com. What are your thoughts on that or anything else? Just going back to matchbox cars, dinky cars from the old days. Experience. As I was saying, older people, such as myself, I have experience. If I knew then, when I was a boy, if I knew then what I know now, I would have bought dinky cars, matchbox toys, corgi, triang train sets, hornby train sets. Meccano. Do you remember Meccano? Did you have Meccano in other countries? Had I known then what I know now, I would have bought up all these toys and things, kept them in their original boxes, immaculate condition, and they'd be worth a fortune now. Or would it have been better to save all my money and buy property? <laughs> a little bit more expensive than train sets and things. 
They used to say that investing in bricks and mortar property was the best investment you could make, but I don't know anymore. It's all too expensive, isn't it? So there we are. That's a good a good saying, is it? Had I known then what I know now? Well, I didn't know then. <laughs> and some people don't even know now. After all their decades here, they still don't know. They haven't got a clue. Some of the radio gear I had in the 60s, military gear from the 40s, it was becoming quite rare then. I should have hung on to it because now it's extremely rare and worth quite a bit of money. But uh, I let it go over the years, uh, with, as with my records, same with vinyl records. They've gone. I don't know where my records went. As I said last week, you know, led them to people who don't see them again. Had I kept some of the records that I bought back in the 60s, some of the albums, the LPs, kept them immaculate, they'd be worth quite a bit of money now. But of course, when you're a boy, when I was a boy, I didn't think, oh, hang on, when I'm 70-something, <laughs> if I hang on to this toy, it might be worth something. I mean, you don't think like that, do you? Moving on yet again, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about these youngsters who do this vaping stuff, you know. They look like they're on fire if you follow them down the street. A huge cloud of, well, it appears to be steam, <laughs> comes flying out uh, all behind them and, and in a car. I've been following cars and suddenly out of the driver's window, woof, a sort of billowing cloud of steam or whatever it is comes out of the car. You know, you think, oh my goodness, the car's on fire. And there was something on the telly about it as well. This is what sparked the conversation. They were saying on the telly that kids now, instead of smoking, we used to smoke behind the bike sheds. Do you remember? I'm sure everyone did that everywhere in the world. You'd have a crafty cigarette behind the bike sheds. Woodbine. Who remembers Woodbine? Those were the days. We used to do that. Smoke a Woodbine, you know, cough and splutter and not uh, not breathe it into our lungs properly. Because <laughs> you go dizzy. But the kids these days, they don't go from smoking to vaping. They start off on vaping. And this chap, friend of mine, was saying exactly what they were talking about on the telly. The initial thing about vaping was a good idea. It gets you away from smoking. So you stop the cigarettes, go on to vaping, and that will then help you stop altogether. I think that was the idea originally. Well, that's what people were saying anyway. But now kids are coming out of school, going down the vape shop down the road, and buying these things and basically smoking. And the worrying thing is that they were talking about this panel of people on the telly. They were saying, well, what's going to happen is the kids will go from vaping to smoking cigarettes. So I don't know. What do you think about that? It's, it's all rather odd, this vaping thing. What do you think about that? You see, again, I can't condemn the kids for trying the vaping because as kids... We had the cigarettes at school, or we'd go over the local park after school with our tin woodbine and our Ronson petrol lighter. Some people had gas lighters. Do you remember when they came in? Oh, look, he's got a gas lighter. Wow. <laughs> I like the petrol lighters. They smelt nice. Then uh, at home, you could buy either a tin of uh, petrol or those little rubber. Do you remember those rubber? What do you call them? Like a little rubber thing. And you just snip the end off and it's got petrol in it and you fill up your lighter. But they were good. I didn't like the smell or the taste of the gas ones. So I can't really condemn the kids for having a go at vaping because it's exactly the sort of thing that we would have done at school. Well, let me say I would have done at school. Don't want to lump everyone under the same thing. So what do you think about that? Raise rants at protonmail.com. I had a pipe. 
At one stage, how old was I, 18? Goodness knows why. I had a pipe. I thought this would be good, because a friend of mine had one. And it was dreadful, absolutely awful. He'd stuff the backy in the bowl and he'd light it. Oh, dear me, it was awful. And I used to stick it in my top pocket with the bowl part, you know, the pipe bit itself sticking out of my top pocket. And of course, all the horrible stuff, all the tar and nicotine and filth in the pipe used to run in inside my top pocket of my jacket. And the jacket used to stink. Then there was a huge stain. Oh, anyway, I moved away from the pipe. I don't know why I started a pipe. Needless to say, I, I don't smoke at all now. And I wouldn't go back to it. The price of cigarettes, truth. Now, why is it that people who are retired, okay, they haven't got to go to work, they don't have to worry about the time. I don't know about these days, but I remember even just a few years ago, pension day, I think was a Thursday, you had to go to the post office. Actually, it must have been quite a few years ago. And you collect your pension. Now, what the elderly people did at nine o'clock when the post office opens, your local post office, there's all these pensioners rushing down their big queue to get their money. And I used to think, I want to post a little parcel, you know. I, I haven't got all day. I've got to get to work or I've popped out from work. Why are they all blocking up the post office? Why are they all queuing round the block to get their money? Why don't they come a little bit later when it's quieter? Perhaps some of them were desperate for the money, which is fair enough, I suppose. But it's the same with shopping. Why do pensioners, people that don't go to work anymore, why do they go shopping at the busiest time of the day? For example, afternoons about half three, four o'clock. All the mums have collected the kids from school and the dads mustn't be sexist. Whoops. They've collected the kids from school. They go to the supermarket on their way home to do some shopping. Why do the retired people go at the same time? They've got all day every day to go shopping. Why do they do it when it's busy? I've never understood that. That that used to happen, I don't know about now, with the pensions, because it's all done, uh, not online, it's put into their bank, isn't it? I don't know, my pension money just goes directly into the bank. Just as well, I don't have to queue at the post office because the post offices have gone. Well, most of them have gone anyway. Another thing I find odd, you get a weather forecast. Tomorrow morning, it's going to be lashing with rain or really icy and cold and horrible. So pensioners go out in that sort of weather. In the afternoon, the sun comes out like it is now. Oh, it's Saturday, by the way, now. Lovely day. Frosty this morning. Frosty for the first time. I think the first time. Proper frost on the shed roofs and all that. So why do the pensioners go out when it's really cold, icy, frosty or lashing with rain and wind when if they wait a while the weather might improve. It usually does improve. I don't know, I've never understood that. The thing is, now here's the thing, that's it, here's the thing. I'm a pensioner and I wait until it's quiet in the shops if I want to go to the shops. Well no, rephrase that, I never want to go to the shops. I hate shopping. If I have to go to the shops I will wait for a certain time of day when I know it's going to be quiet. I won't go and queue up at the post office at nine o'clock because everyone's going to be there. I don't know, perhaps it's just me. Perhaps I'm strange. This chap I was talking to the other day about that, he also mentioned bank managers in the old days. I don't, do they have bank managers now? I suppose they must do. In the old days, you wanted to borrow some money. Perhaps, I don't know, you're doing some modifications, uh, improvements on your house and you go to the bank 
and you'd have to make an appointment and then the, you are shown in by someone, knock, knock, knock on the door, come in, and you go in there, good morning, good morning. You had to call him, sir, morning, sir. <laughs> and he'd say, sit down, what do you want? Well, I'm improving the house, I'm doing some work on the house and I need a loan. A loan, and of course he's got all your, your figures in front of him. I remember all this <laughs> when I went for a mortgage once at a bank. That's the first house ever bought. I had to go to the bank and he said, uh, he said, no. I thought, well, that's nice. I forget what I wanted to borrow. The first, What was it, the house? 9,400, I think. And this bank manager said, oh, no, 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 no. I can't give you a mortgage. I thought, well, that's nice. And I went to a building society and they said, yes. But bank managers, they were renowned for being... Oh, I'm trying to find a, a word that means what I want to say, but without being rude to bank managers. Well, they were awful. They were dreadful people. And then he said something else. I must... <laughs> Good job I can edit this audio, isn't it? Cut bits out. I have to every now and then. No, they thought they were... They were officious little uh, men. That's the word, yes. Officious little men, most of them. Not all of them. So you want to borrow £200. He'd look at your figures. Well, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. What sort of improvements? And, you know, if they gave you the money... Same with the building societies, when they, you know, you go there for a mortgage. If they said, OK, you've got the mortgage or you've got another couple of thousand pounds to do your your improvements or whatever, they would go around and inspect, make sure that you had done that and not spent the two grand down the pub. <laughs> uh, we never had to extend our mortgage, but you could do that. You buy a house and then you think, well, I want to put an extension on the back. So I don't know what it was in the old days, five grand or something. So you go to the building society and they would normally approve it if it was an improvement to the house because it would put value on the house. But they would, in the old, old days, they would send someone round to make sure that that's what you were spending the money on. And uh, as I say, you know, not going on holiday somewhere or going down the pub. <laughs> so it was very different then. I don't know what you do now to get a loan because, well, we don't get loans anymore. But I don't think you go in to see a, a local bank manager. Do you? Well, there are no local banks, no branches to go in anymore. You probably have to go online, fill in a form or something. That's a shame. All this online stuff is really good. It works well most of the time, not all the time. It works well. But that human kind of contact has gone, isn't it? Having a chat to your bank manager or the building society, that's gone which I think in many ways is a shame. But there we are, that's progress for you. We're all moving on, aren't we? Onward and upward, I don't know. Look at that blue sky. It really is, it's just gone midday. Oh, it's lunchtime. Just gone midday on Saturday. You'll be listening to this tomorrow, hopefully. I think the maximum temperature today is going to be 11 degrees centigrade. That's not warm, is it? Oh, I've just lit the fire, by the way. Ready for when uh, we go in there for lunch in the dining room. Have our lunch by the coal fire. That's nice, isn't it? Went to see my mum this morning. Trish and I popped round there for an hour or so. And she said, my Alexa doesn't work. She's always been able to say to Alexa, play music by the Bee Gees, and it would. Now it says, shuffling music by the Bee Gees and other artists. And she said that since uh, a couple of months ago, it's not played the music like she used to be able to ask it, play this, play that. Oh no, you have to sign up and all this business. What it was, she's changed her credit card or something and the payments haven't been going through to have whatever it is, all the music and stuff. And she said, 
I like the old days where you just switch the radio on. And she hasn't got a radio now. And I said, well, I can get you a radio, a transistor radio. Oh, and there's nothing to listen to. And she's right. She said it's not like the old days. She used to do her housework in the 50s and 60s, have the radio on. Housewife's Choice. Who remembers Housewife's Choice? Music while you work. That was good. And I said, do you listen to the Archers still? And then I said, well, of course you can't. You haven't got a radio. And she said, well, are the Archers still going? I don't know. I must find out. Mrs Dale's Diary. She used to like that during the day. Listen with Mother for the kids. All this stuff on the radio. And all she's got now is this Alexa thing. <laughs> anyway, we sorted out the credit card business and she can now get her music. But everything else that used to be on there, it's gone. As she said, she hasn't got a radio because it's all rubbish on the radio. And I have to agree. Well, I'm always moaning about the radio, aren't I? It's all gone. All the plays in the evenings, they used to have radio plays on. They were really good to listen to because you can use your imagination. You hear the crunching gravel as someone's walking up the drive towards a house. Then the door opens and you hear footsteps going into the house. It was all, it was drama. It was great to listen to. Whereas now, well, you know, I'm not going to moan about that, but now it's all rubbish. There was something else my mum mentioned. When she was uh, 12, she used to do a, a lady's garden for sixpence. That's not bad. When was she 12? She was born in 33, so uh, 46, wasn't it? No, 45. Oh, I don't know. 1945. And she'd do this lady's garden for sixpence. And she had a paper round. And she was saying that she'd go off early in the morning, up this steep hill to the paper shop, get a load of papers, a block of flats she had. Didn't know they had blocks of flats back then. And then uh, up more hills with this huge bag. Then she'd get home after her paper round and miss the school bus because she was late on her paper round. She said every day, more or less, she was late for school. <laughs> I'm going to take the tape, re tape recorder. Listen to me. My little recorder. It's not tape anymore, is it? I'm going to take that round there because she won't talk. I said, I must record you saying all this. It's interesting. Oh, I'm not talking into that machine. So I'm going to take it round there and just have it close to me where it can hear her, pick up her voice, and I shall do it that way. I told her I'll do that. <laughs> anyway, she missed the school bus, so she'd have to walk three miles to school, and of course she's late. By the time she got there, they're all in assembly. Do you remember assembly in the main hall? She would hide in the cloakroom, and when they all piled out of assembly, she'd slip out of the cloakroom and join them. She did get caught a few times, she said, but you know, she just said, well, I missed the bus and that was that. But she said every single day she was late for school and she missed assembly. She'd hide in the cloakroom. <laughs> it's stuff like that that I don't know about you, but I find interesting about the old days. That was in the 40s when the, the war was going. Another thing she told me ages ago, her sister, my auntie, when she was, uh, I don't know what age, 14, 15, she was walking home from somewhere and an incendiary bomb dropped in the street. Have I told you this before? And it didn't go off, luckily, but it covered uh, my auntie, my mum's sister, and all the buildings around covered it in oil. Everything was covered in oil because that was meant to ignite, wasn't it? Uh, of course, had it ignited, then my auntie would have been no more. But all these stories I, I find interesting. I will, uh, next Saturday... She would have forgotten by then, but I'll take my little recorder around there and just 
switch it on and get her chatting. It'll be quite interesting. What we had at school were prefects. Do they have those these days? Prefects? I don't know whether you had those in America or Australia or anywhere in the world. And these prefects, these little goody two-shoe people, would be at the bottom of the drive. So you'd walk up the drive to school and they'd have a watch. Oh, you're late. Name? They'd take your name and your class, your form number and all that nonsense. Honestly, they weren't, they weren't liked. They were, they were picked on in the playground. Oh, look, there's that prefect. Oh, look, he's on playground duty now. They'd have a little badge that said prefect. And they weren't liked. They didn't have any friends. I mean, they're awful people. They used to snitch on you. They grassed you up to the headmaster. Then you get the cane. <laughs> and very often they got uh, roughed up a little bit. I remember that. I didn't do it because I was good. I was never late for school. I just didn't bother to go in the first place. <laughs> Happy days. But seriously, what sort of person would be a prefect and grass up your mate? Well, not mates, they didn't have mates, but grass up fellow pupils, students. That's these jobs worth type. Oh, more than a jobs worth. Oh, I can't do that. More than a jobs worth. They're not liked either, are they? I don't know why people behave like that. Had they said to me, you, you could be a prefect, you were very good, you've been extremely good at school. Well, they wouldn't have said that because I was dreadful. But had they offered me a, can you say prefectship? I'd have turned it down. I'd have said, you're joking, I'm not grassing my mates up. Or do the prefect thing and let people through. Oh, look, you're five minutes late. Go on, off you go. Oh, I haven't seen you. <laughs> or even a better idea. Right, you're five minutes late. Bung me a couple of bob, two shillings, and I haven't seen you. Make some money on the side. Can't be bad. One last thing before I leave you in peace. Do you remember going out for dinner in the old days? You go out to a restaurant for a meal. You'd wear, as the chaps would wear, a jacket, a shirt and tie. In fact, I used to wear a jacket, shirt and tie up to, uh, well, we don't really go out anymore, up to about five, six years ago, whenever we did go out for a meal, if there's a, a family thing, I'd wear a tie. But I realised that I was the only one in the restaurant with a tie. People just go in jeans, T-shirt, whatever they happen to be wearing at the time. They just go off out. The ladies can often look nice. They wear decent clothes for the restaurant. But the chaps just seemed, I don't know, they just wear jeans and trainers. It's a shame. I should have carried on wearing a tie. Well, I say that. We don't go out for meals anymore. Cost a fortune. Struth. Stone the crows and all that lot. Anyway, I shall leave you in peace. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed listening to me ranting on as much as I have enjoyed ranting on to you. I shall see you on Wednesday with another midweek message. Look after yourselves. Take care. Bye-bye for now.